a radio show that confesses Christ without confusing the law and the gospel. A radio show that takes scripture seriously without taking ourselves so seriously. You're listening to Table Talk Radio. To see, to see the face of God is to be destroyed. So God now veils himself in, in the flesh and blood of Jesus. And he uses that, those means, namely his flesh and his blood, his life and, and his death, he uses those means to save us. And when we were baptized at the font with God's name placed upon us in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, with the sign of the cross being placed upon our forehead and our hearts marking as ones redeemed. We were adopted as sons of God. Uh, I think... Oh, huh? 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 <laughs> oh, oh. Are we doing the show now? Is the theme over? Hey, welcome to another edition of Table Talk Radio. I thought the pig was in the room. That was just me waking up from the theme song, <laughs> apparently. So yeah. That's hey, how, how come how come we're using your new theme? Don't we get to vote on this? There's a huge Sorry, controversy. But these are your most Javian listeners, and we have to vote for Pastor Giggleine's theme song. What? Have a nice night. Thank you. <laughs> the votes are in. The votes oh. are in. And uh, I'm sorry, Pastor Wolfman, your theme song did not prevail. Did the whole of Moose Jaw vote? Yes. They were did right you count there. up Both Facebook? Both of them right there. No, I already said Facebook the, Facebook votes don't count. Oh, man. This is Facebook. Uh, what is it? You've been disenfranchised. <laughs> we need a recount. Oh, Al Gore, relax. You lost. Just face it. You know it. what? You, you know what actually won on Facebook was the was the thought of doing the Muppets Manamana song. Do you know that? So in other words, people didn't like people did not like my new bump or your old one. (laughs) (laughs) People are so critical on the internet; it hurts my feelings. (laughs) That's why I don't have Facebook, so my feelings can't get hurt. Yeah, that's right. (laughs) You're feeling. I don't want to say you're sophisticated at more than one. (laughs) Just grumpy. (laughs) Yeah, that's that's pretty true. All right, well, for uh, today's edition of I've been hypnotized, and I think that yours should win now. Hey, I, I I lean heavily on the Mushavian listeners, so I know we got a, this huge. Uh, isn't the first of the first uh, annual Table Talk Radio conference going to be in Mushjaw? Yes, the first annual. <laughs> Someday we're gonna have we that have in three or four years. But you <laughs> and me and my dad and our two other listeners. We can go to the what's the big statue in Mushjaw? I'll look it up. Don't worry. Yeah. No. Now you're gonna do the all show. We need to make a rule that you have to disconnect your internet before we start recording. Today, by the way, is the start of a new show. This is the uh, Gervais Charmley Table Talk Radio Show. <laughs> That's right. So we're going to start out with the program with the Gervais Charmley uh, segment. Uh, reading, He's been busy uh, just zipping off emails to Table Talk Radio. we got uh, four here in the cooker. So, so our, our goal is to see how many emails we can get through. In the first segment, and then we're going to be playing Bible B. Uh oh, Bible B with your arch nemesis, Pastor Brian Ketchelmeyer, and then we're finishing up talking about the Holy Trinity in worship. So uh, that's the Table Talk Radio lineup. Sorry, you tuned in. Yeah, we. I don't think we necessarily need a Jane's treadmill warning today. Remember that? Do we ever need? 
And Jane I, wanted the warning if we ever strayed into excellence, so she wouldn't fall off the train. Yeah. I think you're safe today, Jane. Crank it up. <laughs> All right, no uh, let's do some buzzwords. Uh, my theological buzzword for you is uh, a repeat. Uh, I, I'm just going to our website now. Shock. <laughs> I know. <laughs> you're such a repristinationist. <laughs> Theophany. Buzzword. Theophany is your is your theological buzzword. Uh, this is the uh, visible appearance of God in our world. We could get Pastor Ketchumar going on typology. He'll probably use that word. Uh, my buzz phrase for you today is an atheological phrase. It is the age of accountability. Mm. That is, this is the the doctrine that those who re- reject infant baptism have. It says that there's a certain there's a certain age that a person reaches in this life when they're held accountable for their sin. That so, age is the age of accountability. So prior and to, they're not held accountable to their sin? They, they might have sin, but they don't, they're not held accountable for it, no. Hmm. So there's two ways to be saved, really. This is the problem with this doctrine, aside from the fact that it's not in the Bible and that it's just <laughs> an excuse for rejecting infant baptism. There's also the uh, problem that um, there's two ways to be, be, to be saved. And the one is to be uh, to have faith in Christ and therefore to be justified, declared holy. And the, th- the second way is to die before you get to the age where you're held accountable for your sin. Hmm. That's not so good. Mm-mm. Jesus says, I am the I am the way. There's only one way to heaven. Can't cut it any other way. So that's the um, that's the buzz, the atheological, what do we call this? Uh, theological, atheological buzzword. All right. Age of accountability. Let's get some emails. The first one uh, here, again, we're, we're covering these um, from uh, Pastor Charmley. And he says, Dear Praise Song Exterminators. <laughs> I like that. Uh, he says, uh, so we just, uh, a few weeks ago, we, we crunched this hymn by, or we actually didn't crunch it, did we? Uh, we tried to crunch uh, this song by um, Casting Crowns, Glorious Day. Uh, and he says, uh, the hymn, One Day When Heaven Was Filled With His Praises, which is, um, I, as I found out later, the, the exact same, this hymn. and um, So, so glor- uh, Casting Crowns took this, this song, this hymn, and, and made it a, uh, one of their songs. He says, The hymn, One Day When Heaven Was Filled With His Praises, does not really qualify as a praise song, in my opinion. Not only do we sing it with the organ accompaniment at the Bethel in, in Hanley, but the author... J. Wilbur Chapman died in 1918, and the song was written in 1908. The original tune by Charles Howard Marsh was taught, uh, 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 who taught music at the school at a school in Fort Wayne, Indiana. How about that? Marsh was an organist and pianist, and decided on the acceptable side for most truly conservative churches. Uh, the hymn was first published in 1911. I'd venture to that past the praise song cruncher because it is in fact not a praise song. So there you go. We we had a praise song that made it through, and it found out that it was an <laughs> imposter. It was a hymn masquerading as a praise song, and so it was able to sneak through the cruncher. Yeah, but uh, it is fascinating to know that we got that. Uh, we were asked to crunch that by one of our listeners who said that they were singing this in their church. So um, maybe uh, hymns are making a comeback, huh? That'd be all right with me. I got another one here from Pastor Charmley. Pastor Charmley, by the way, everyone should know, is a Calvinist in England. <laughs> he, signs his, he signs his note. It says, Bethel, Hanley, Stoke-on-Trent, Staffordshire, England, United Kingdom, world. Remember, that's not the whole world. That's only... <laughs> uh, he writes, can I get you to apologize to my neighbors? Dear pastors of fun, 
I was listening to your last show, and the comment caused me to let out a strangled cry of horror. What was it? The statement that Mr. Blair is president of the European Union? No, by the grace of God, he is not. It's some anonymous bloke <laughs> from the continent. Tim LaHaye would answer the question, who's the Antichrist as follows? Quote, a future one-world leader who will emerge from Europe, probably Romania, be elected by Secretary General of the United Nations following the rapture. LaHaye does not actually know where the UN is, but he will never let that stop him. This man will possess incredible mind-controlling powers, having convinced all nations to join a one-world state. Good luck with that. He will sign a peace treaty with Israel, eh? I thought all nations had joined the one-world government, which he will later break. He will be present at the consecration of the temple in Jerusalem, which he will later desecrate. Though his presence there would technically desecrate it, but let's not worry about that. After an attempt to assassinate him, he will be possessed by Satan himself. Uh, I think, end quote. I'm not too sure what LaHaye thinks happens next, although apparently it has something to do with unmentionable acts involving pigs and killing lots of Jews. Even my research has limits, you know, and reading the worst Christian fiction series of all time and coincidentally the best selling all the way through goes way beyond those limits. Now the question. Should my neighbors wish for an apologize for my strangled scream, would you be willing to supply one? Yours in Christ, Pastor Charmley. Answer, yes. I am so sorry that you are Pastor Charmley's neighbors. <laughs> <laughs> so here Pastor Charmley is doing your homework for you because I asked you, what were we defining? Um, it was one of our buzzwords, uh, Dispensational definition of the Antichrist? Yeah, that's what it was. And and uh, so he did your did all the work for you. So I think Appreciate I'm going to award Pastor Charmley seven Table Talk radio points. You should give him five, one for each leaf uh, uh, petal on his tulip. Now, <laughs> here's another one. we got two more. How much time do we have? Here, this was a quick one. You have outdone yourself. Dear pastors of silliness, talking to you apparently, you have indeed outdone yourselves in finding a version of a praise song that talks about silence that is just loud. I laughed like a drain. That must be some sort of British expression. Then I laughed some more at the phrase, quote, I want to touch you. Keep up the good work. Yours in Christ, Pastor Charmley. Uh, that must have been something from a praise song cruncher yeah. where they were talking about in the silent place. Yeah. I, I, I you really, remember what song that was. I think it was the one in the secret in the quiet place. I I block these out after we get doing after we get done recording because I have nightmares after we do the praise song cruncher. <laughs> it's the romantic side that gives you the nightmares. <laughs> I'm doing a little biblical research, by the way, and I was looking at the this fact that um, God um, prohibits the priests even from touching the holy things. Uh, that so this idea of touching even those things that are consecrated by God, for example, the Ark of the Covenant, would bring destruction. And you see that it happened. You remember one time they're they're transporting the ark uh, back from it had been stolen by the Philistines. I can't remember the story. And the, and it's falling over, and the guy reaches out to make sure it doesn't fall, and he get and he's killed for that. Mm -hmm. This is the, there's a strict prohibition from touching these holy things, and yet here the praise songs are talking about touching the Lord. Just crazy. That's dangerous business. Right, we have 30 seconds here. Whoa. We got one other. I don't even have it. you got to pull that one up. Oh, okay. Well, I, I'm afraid we're not going to have time to get to that then. That was about how the Methodists were sacramental, and we have two email, two pages to look up where you have these orders in the Methodist church. Yeah. We'll, we'll save that for a future Table Talk Radio. Something to look forward to on Table Talk Radio. Oh, yeah. Talking oh, about yeah. Methodist sacraments. Uh, yeah. That's my favorite thing. All right, we're going to play Bible Bee with Pastor Ketchemeyer right after this commercial oh, break. Oh, yeah, bring it on, Ketchemeyer. <laughs> bring it on.
This is Dr. Carl Fertencher, professor at Concordia Theological Seminary. Even though you have no one to blame but yourself, you're listening to Table Talk Radio. Welcome back to Table Talk Radio. Bible B is the game, and on the line... That song is groovy. You like it? On the line, we have Pastor Wolf Mueller's arch nemesis to Bible B. That is Pastor Brian Ketchelmeyer. He's pastor of Redeemer Lutheran Church in Los Alamos, New Mexico. Welcome, Pastor Ketchelmeyer. Oh, it's good to be here. Good to be here. All right. I'm so, coming after you, Bri. Oh. <laughs> have you been practicing? Yeah. I've been reading the have Bible. I've been practicing? Every, <laughs> you don't need practice. <laughs> <laughs> that's good. It's good to read the Bible to practice for Bible V. Yep, that's yes, right. <laughs> All right. I so read I'll... this passage. Maybe Evan will give me this one. <laughs> I haven't gotten to Esther yet. <laughs> uh, how this game works is uh, that we read, there's three rounds to Bible V. Um, in the first round, we read three verses from the Bible. In the second round, we read one verse. And then in the third round, one word. And the task of the contestant is to name which book of the Bible uh, that verse is located in. Uh, there's 100 points for round one, 200 points for round two, and 300 points for round three. And then also the task here is to correctly identify law and or gospel. So that's how the game works. Pastor Ketchemeyer, are you ready for your first entry of Bible Bee? I think I am ready. All right, here it is. Uh, turn to it here. It'd be good to turn to the, the, the place we were going to read before you... He's announce. listening to tell how many pages you turn. That's giving him an unfair advantage. Yeah, okay. Here it is. All right. And the book of the prophet Isaiah was handed to him, and he opened the book and found the place where it was written, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim release to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to set free those who are downtrodden to proclaim the favorable year of the Lord. Oh, that's a great passage. That's a great passage because it's actually a double passage. Uh, so originally, if I'm not mistaken, that passage would have been found in Isaiah chapter 61. Uh, but where you're reading it from is when it's actually used in the New Testament in the Gospel uh, according to St. Luke in uh, chapter 4, uh, in which this takes place after the baptism of Jesus, where Jesus was just anointed by the Holy Spirit the Father's voice says, this is my beloved Son, and then Satan tempts him and tests him and says, if you really are the Son, do this, and here's Jesus going to the synagogue and saying, he is. He's the fulfillment of these words from Isaiah. So, Luke's Gospel. That is correct. Very good. Pastor Ketchemeyer will give you 100 points. And now, would that passage just read be law or gospel? Actually, first, we should have you explain what the difference between law and gospel is, and then which is this. Oh, <laughs> Well, the, the law is going to tell you what God's will is, what his desire is, uh, that God would want to see you do things either that are forbidden or are required of you. But it, as soon as God does this, this, of course, condemns you and accuses you because you cannot perfectly fulfill these requirements of God. The gospel, then, on the other hand, of course, tells you the good news that Jesus is the one who perfectly fulfills the promises of God He's the one who has done all that God has required. He has made perfect satisfaction. So the gospel comes to take your sin away. And a passage like this is Jesus 
talking about himself being Jesus, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. He is the promised one who has come to release the captives, to restore sight, to restore creation, to reconcile God and sinners. So this is a wonderful gospel passage. Gospel is correct. Uh, very good. Pastor Ketchemeyer. Pastor, Pastor, I concur. <laughs> are, you, are you ready for your entry of Bible Bee? Oh, yeah, I'm ready. Okay, okay. I'm sure it'll be one of the Gospels. Yep, that's pretty likely. Okay, here, here is your entry uh, for Bible Bee. Uh, it says this. Thou hast also given me the shield of thy salvation, and thy help makes me great. Thou dost enlarge my steps How come you under me. The King James for my <laughs> and my feet has not slipped. I pursued my enemies and destroyed them, and I did not turn back until they were consumed. I have devoured them and shattered them so that they did not rise. They fell under my feet. Well, I, I have no idea why you switched to King James. Or did you switch to the King James? Or did I? <laughs> hmm. I have pursued my enemies. You've uh, not. You've caused my feet not to slip. This sounds like uh, the song of a warrior poet. Mm. I don't have any idea. I mean, I, this this is a, a psalm. It's a prayer to the Lord. It's a thanksgiving for overcoming of enemies, which is uh, uh, happens numerous times in the Psalms, but also in the history, of, for example, of King David. Um, but I'm going to say Psalms on this one. And you'd be wrong. <laughs> uh, no, this is actually Second Samuel. Oh man! Uh, and I did. So is this a, a prayer of David, eh? It is. And I did not, in fact, it's probably the, the exact same as one of the Psalms. <laughs> Do you have um, the NASB, which switches to Old English for the prayers. Right. That is correct. Okay. All right. So that was a, uh, is this that was a giveaway prayer for you. from David in First Samuel. Uh, is that? Uh, happen to be also the exact same thing as a psalm? Just wondering. Perhaps. <laughs> <laughs> Why, did that throw you off? I'm, I'm sorry, I didn't realize that would throw you off. <laughs> oh, okay, so law or gospel. First Samuel what? Uh, first Samuel, Hold on, or, no, Second Samuel. Second Samuel 22. Okay. 36 through 38. Actually, I think I even gave you 39. Um. Oh, yeah. A little advantage there. Yes. I, <laughs> you have given me the shield of salvation. That is gospel. Your gentleness made me great. Now, that's talking about the Lord's mercy. That also is gospel. You gave a wide place for steps under me. My feet did not slip. I pursued my enemies and destroyed them and did not turn back until they were consumed. I consumed them. I thrust them through so that they did not rise. They fell under my feet so that the Lord gave uh, David victory according to his vocation as king. Uh, this would be a fruit of the gospel. Um, but uh, I think those verses, ah, I don't know on the law and gospel on those. Uh, as the Lord gives us um, blessings according to our vocation. Uh, for example, like when he says in the fourth commandment, honor your father and mother and it will go well with you. So the Lord promises gifts for um, uh, living out according our, our lives according to our vocation. And that's probably what that is there. So you have a little law. I think that would count as law. And But you also have uh, this whole section here prefaced by gospel. 
Okay. Is this also happens to be, I think, um, is, well, I, hold on. I'm looking for to see what exactly what psalm this is here. Yeah, well, oh, yeah, why this, you... so this is the same as Psalm 18. Hmm. Exactly the same, though. All right. Uh, you've given me the shield of salvation. Your right hand has supported me. Your gentleness made me great. You gave me a wide place for my steps under me. My feet did not slip. I pursued my enemies and overtook them. Yep, exact same. Oh. <laughs> oh, never too, mind, too, never mind. Too bad you didn't know I was reading that from Second Samuel. All right, so the score then is Pastor Ketchermeyer <laughs> with 100, Pastor Wolfmeyer with zero. <laughs> you, know, you would probably make me guess both Second Samuel and Psalms to get it right. <laughs> All right, Pastor Ketchermeyer, are you ready for round two of Bible B? I am, but I just want to clarify the rules. I'm supposed to guess where you're reading it from, right? That is correct. So that's what I'm <laughs> where you're reading it from. <laughs> that is correct. <laughs> oh, brother. You know, it's it's the same for both sides here. You know, it's the same for both sides. All right. Uh, <laughs> Pastor Ketchumire. Well, that's a like different definition passage, of it same. It was also in Isaiah, so, but I was guessing where you were reading it. <laughs> 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 right. Uh, Pastor Ketchermeyer's over there writing a Bible beat Talmud. <laughs> <laughs> okay, here is a round oh, round two of Bible beat. By the way, the score so far is Pastor Ketchermeyer with 100, Pastor Wolfmuller with zero. Uh, and here's round two, which you is consists... Oh, I did? Oh, okay. One verse, it says this. Then he believed in the Lord... And he reckoned it to him as righteousness. Yes. Now, this is one of these interesting things, too, because now that I know the rules for sure, that you're trying to guess where you're reading it from, <laughs> I'm going to guess that you're actually reading this from the Old Testament scriptures, uh, from the book of Genesis. Uh, in which uh, the Lord our God gives to Abraham the promise, the promise of the seed, and that in this seed he'll be a blessing to all the nations. And it's Abraham who believes this promise, and it's reckoned to him as righteousness. So I'm going to guess you're reading from Genesis. That is correct, and that is how the game is done, right there. <laughs> that is worth uh, two hundred. Well, wait till he gets to the law gospel question. He'll stump on that one. Here. <laughs> we'll see, and we might have to get that uh, response from Pastor Ketchumar after this commercial break. You're listening to Table Talk Radio, and we are playing Bible B. Let's check again the scoreboard uh, for this uh, for this game. <laughs> the score. You got it. You're a mystic. You're repeating this so often. <laughs> 300 points for Pastor Brian Ketchemeyer, our guest uh, from Redeemer Lutheran Church in Los Alamos, New Mexico, and co-host of uh, Table Talk Radio, Pastor Brian Wolfmiller, still hanging in there with zero. So um, we're going to see if... Uh, I get stronger as it gets later. <laughs> we're going to see if I'm Pastor Wolfmiller can identify where I'm reading uh, out of the Bible uh, right after this. Again, you're listening to Table Talk Radio. We want to hear from you. Give us a call, 1-800-385-SOLA. 1-800-385-7652. We'll be right back on Table Talk Radio. Bye-bye. 
two theologians for the price of none. Table Talk Radio will be right back. Bring it down and take a look for yourself. It's time to take that book down off the shelf. Then he believed in the Lord and it was reckoned to him as righteousness. That is from Genesis chapter 15, verse 6, correctly identified by Pastor Brian Ketchemeyer. And now we need to listen in uh, to Pastor Ketchemeyer to see whether that is law or gospel. Yeah, this is one of these wonderful passages that is, is so crystal clear for us. And so beautiful of this gospel promise that for the sake of Christ, we are declared righteous. And so that righteousness is given to us as a promise by God. And there's nothing that we can do with the promise except to receive it by faith. We believe it to be true. And so we have this promise and we're declared righteous. It's reckoned, it's imputed, it's counted, it's delivered to us, credit to us from Christ himself. So this is wonderful gospel. And as you mentioned before, uh, this is one of the texts that we have in the Pauline epistles, uh, namely in, in Romans, where, where Paul is, is making this uh, clear for, uh, for the Jews and the Gentiles that now faith, uh, it's by faith that, that, that we're saved. And so uh, he goes back to, to this promise given to Abraham. It was not by uh, Abraham's works, but now uh, we see clearly that, it's, it's that he believed, and, and by this belief he was reckoned him as righteousness. All right, uh, Pastor Wolfmuller, time to wake up. Time for your next round here. <laughs> oh. <laughs> right, I'm ready. <laughs> hey, that text was good, by the way. And it was a fairly decent explanation, I have to say. I'll All right, let's see if you I'll can return the favor. Oh, yeah. I'm okay, ready. and this is uh, your one verse. Probably from Genesis, one of the Gospels. I'm ready. And thou didst divide the sea before them, so they passed through the midst of the sea on dry ground, and their pursuers thou didst hurl into the depths, like a stone into raging waters. How come you go, go all King Jamesy on me every time? <laughs> <laughs> so you divided the sea, and, and then you cast the pursuers into the depths. So again, we've switched into prayer. So you're reading from the NASV, which has this funny thing where it goes to Old English for the prayers. I mean, it's really that's really interesting to me. I think it's kind of neat. Anyhow, <laughs> uh, it could be a psalm, or it could be one of the prophets, for example. Or it could be from the history books of the Old Testament. I think it's going to be in the Old Testament. <laughs> You know, here's an interesting thing. This thing passing through the Red Sea uh, is one of the, is the, I mean, the Passover and the passing through the Red Sea is basically the foundational event for the Old Testament. So when Isaiah later wants to really impress the people that God is going to do something even more impressive, he says, they'll no longer say how the, the Lord who took us out of Egypt, but rather the Lord who brought us back to the land. So that's the standard by which all God's future actions are judged, this great deliverance out of Egypt. So so because of that, it runs all the way through the Old Testament and even the New. Hmm. And so because of that, it's just really hard to pick a book. Wait, I didn't, <laughs> I didn't think about that. I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, let's see. Enemies, enemies. I'm going to say Psalms. You want to guess Psalms in the next round, too, just right now? 
Sure. Okay. Uh, no, you're incorrect. Uh, it is not from the Psalms. This is actually from uh, Nehemiah. Oh, man. <laughs> Nehemiah chapter 9. All right. So law or gospel? <laughs> gospel. It's deliverance. So that even so that uh, Peter can come along and preach that, um, uh, or, or sorry, uh, 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 Paul can preach that just as the, um, the God brought the people through the sea, so now he brings us uh, through the waters of baptism. They were baptized into Moses in the sea, Paul says. Uh, so this is a picture of deliverance. And Luther brings that into his prayer yeah, that he gives at baptism. He says, you, uh, you brought your people Israel across, through the, uh, through, across the sea on dry land, and yet you drowned hard-hearted Pharaoh, foreshadowing this uh, washing of baptism. Uh, so this, just as in baptism, that old man is drowned and the new man comes to, to life, so in baptism the, the people of Israel are rescued and redeemed, and Pharaoh and all of his armies are drowned, put to death. Is, uh, so I guess according to that, it would be both law and gospel, but especially it's the it's the deliverance of the people here. Oh, very good. I was just getting ready to ask you if there's a touch of law here with the with the, with the pursuers being hurled into the depths. So you yeah, you yeah. answered it. Nehemiah in chapter nine here. I'm looking here. All right, I see. You're right. But it's no, I, I, song, I think you're right though. Mind. I mean, I, th- I think that that this is gospel for the for God's people for the the people of Israel. So um, you want to hear? You want to hear? By the way, uh, Psalm sixty-six, verse six. He turned the sea into dry land. They passed through the river on foot. Psalm seventy-eight, thirteen. He divided the sea and let them pass through it. Psalm one, fourteen, verse three. The sea looked and fled. Wow, that, never mind. That that'd be really good if I had been reading those. You would have got it right. <laughs> <laughs> All right. <laughs> We are now then up to round three of Bible B. The score is Pastor Ketchemeyer with 300 and Pastor Wolfmeyer with zero. So if Pastor Ketchemeyer gets his next one wrong and Pastor Wolfmeyer gets the next one right, we'd have a tie ball game. So let's Whoa. see what let's see what happens. If had a tie, that'd be dramatic. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we'd have to have a, a tiebreaker round, wouldn't we? Yeah, yeah. Oh. All right, Pastor Ketchemeyer and I could pick verses for each other. <laughs> That'd be fun, uh, but then what would I do? I don't know. <laughs> you could check your Facebook. Oh, can't even do that. Uh, all right, uh, Pastor Ketchumar, your one-word clue for round three of of uh, Bible B is the word Alpha. Yeah. <laughs> it, this only appears in the Bible one time. Alpha. Uh, very, very. <laughs> Because yeah, it's the boy. word alpha, um, this is going to clue me in that most likely this is going to be in the New Testament, uh, being that the New Testament is written in Greek, uh, being the first letter of the Greek alphabet, um, <laughs> rather than Aleph being the first letter of the Hebrew alphabet. Uh, but He's so just I would showing off the now. And <laughs> I would look to the book of Revelation. <laughs> Uh, yes, that is right. Revelation is the correct answer here. Um, and when I when I said that it only appears once in the Bible, I meant only one in one book. It's actually mentioned three times in uh, Revelation. But the first occurrence is in Revelation uh, chapter eight. That says, "I am the Alpha and the Omega," says the Lord God, who is and who was and who is to come, the Almighty. So, how do you how do you treat that with our gospel? Well, this is an interesting passage with a lot of these passages just tell you who the person of God is. God is eternal. 
he is the one who is. So he is the beginning and the end. Well, to the unbeliever, it's not good news that God is God and the unbeliever is not. It's not good news for the unbeliever that God is eternal. But for the, for the believer, when you hear passages like this that talk about the attributes of God, the person and work of God, that he is eternal for the believer, this is sweet, sweet, sweet gospel. Because the believer clings to the promises of the one who is eternal, the Alpha and the Omega. Wow, very good. Now, I have a question. Um, is this kind of like baseball? If the home team is winning at the bottom of the ninth, you still have to play? <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, okay. Double or nothing. Master <laughs> Keshemar will give me double or nothing. By the way, I want you to know that Carrie and I had a huge feud about whether alpha was a legal word to play in Scrabble some years ago. And it's uh, in the Scrabble dictionary. It is. Oh, okay. Mm. I'm guessing that that you were the one insisting that it was. <laughs> just just a hunch. <laughs> Honey, it's in Revelation. <laughs> or something. Do you guys have an official Scrabble Scrabble book to settle these disputes? Oh yeah. I can oh, see yeah. these arising up. Scrabble Talmud. I can <laughs> I can see these arising up a lot in the Wolfmuller household. Yeah, yeah, a little controversies. Okay, all right. You're what Miller plays biblical Scrabble though, so they only have words that come from the Bible. (laughs) (laughs) Parasite. That's a that's a proper name. Parasite doesn't count. Proper name. All right, Pastor Wolfmiller, your one word clue for round three of Bible B is the word idiot. Really? Yes. This appears in the Bible one time in all of Holy Scripture. <laughs> I think I would have noticed if I would have seen that. Yeah, I, I, there is this uh, gr- this Greek word idios, which means to be curved in on oneself. It's where we get the word hmm. idiot. Uh, but the Greek word is uh, the Greek word's all over the place, according to oneself, in reference to oneself, etc. But one place it would have made it out is um, it would have made it out. I'm going to say New Testament because it's a Greek derivative. Uh, I don't know if that doesn't help much. I think you, I can't think of the Gospels. I can't think of can't think of it where it'd be in the epistles. Can't think of where it'd be in Revelation. Although maybe it would be tucked in there somewhere. Maybe, maybe it's somewhere. An, maybe in the it's book in of Esther. Acts. Yeah, maybe it's in uh, in apocryphal Daniel or something. <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna go with the book of Acts. Is that your final answer? Yeah, that's my final answer. That is incorrect. I'm sorry. Oh, man. Uh, you were looking for the book of Job. So not oh. actually in the New Testament. This is Job chapter 11, verse 12, which says, And an idiot will become intelligent when the full of a wild donkey is born a man. All right, sorry. All right. Well, there you go. So let's, it was uh, a good try. Let's take a look at the score before this commercial break. Uh, the final <laughs> score of Bible B is Pastor Ketchemeyer with 600. Pastor Wolfmiller with zero. Congratulations, Pastor Ketchemeyer. Well, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. When we get back from this break, we're going to continue talking with Pastor Ketchemeyer about Trinity in worship. We'll be right back. Table Talk Radio. The games are just an excuse. 
Walking into the divine service at any liturgical church, the first words you will probably hear in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Uh, Pastor Ketchemeyer uh, still with us here from uh, Redeemer Lutheran Church in Los Alamos, New Mexico. Tell us, what does this uh, Trinity, three persons and one God, what does this have to do with worship and, uh, and the liturgy? Uh, this is wonderful, because we understand as Christians, as Christians we are those who have been called by the name of the one true God. And the one true God is the triune God who's revealed to him, to us, he's revealed himself to us, as one God in three persons, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And so those who have been called by God in holy baptism are those who have been made disciples of Christ, those who continue to hear the voice of God, those who continue to grow in their understanding and their faith. And so when we come to the divine service, we come before the presence of the one true holy triune God. Are you, are you oh, I'm supposed to write a, ask a question, aren't I, Evan? <laughs> We're going to go back and forth on this. Sorry, I'm still smarting from my Bible bee loss. Uh, what's the difference, though, uh, uh, Pastor Ketchemeyer? I mean, uh, we come in the name of the Father. We come into his presence. Well, why is that so important? Why can't we just say God? Why, why does it have to be so Trinitarian? What's the difference? Yeah, that, that, that's true. I mean, technically, you could, and you could still mean the same God. But the problem is there's a confusion in the world ever since the fall into creation on which God is the true God. And so as scriptures revealed to us who the true God is, we want to be very clear that the Trinity is the creator, that the Trinity is the redeemer, the Trinity is the sanctifier, and we understand that we have access to the Father through the Son in the Holy Spirit. So when we come to the divine service, we gather in the true God's presence, but the only way we can gather in his presence for our benefit is all because of the second person of the Holy Trinity, the Son, the one who became incarnate in order to shed his flesh, or in order to shed his blood and to be crucified in his flesh on the cross. Going uh, in college and later high school, um, I was always struck when I was going to these uh, um, contemporary services or these uh, just general Protestant type services, um, and I noticed they would never, ever stop start a service in the, the name of the, the triune God, and I was always a little puzzled by that, because I knew that they, in their theology and their doctrines, wouldn't object to the teachings of the of the Trinity, but yet uh, I was surprised when they wouldn't start their worship in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Do you have any insight on that? Well, it's one of these interesting developments that you see in Protestantism. Protestantism itself has rejected much of what was Catholic. And when I say Catholic, I don't mean Roman Catholic. Roman Catholic is something completely different. Uh, Catholic is from the ancient Church. The Catholic faith, as we say in the Athanasian Creed, is this, that we worship one God in Trinity and Trinity in unity, neither confusing the persons nor dividing the substance. 
in a lot of what is American evangelicalism that comes out of this Protestant uh, splintering is, is kind of this base rejection of anything that seemed too Roman Catholic in appearance or in sound, and especially with the ancient liturgies. So they have dumped a lot of these wonderful, beautiful treasures that we have in the liturgy that has been compiled over the centuries to confess the Catholic faith, that we worship one God in unity and unity in Trinity. And so when you, you dump these components, you lose this fabric that ties all this together, that the one true God is the one who gave to us salvation in the Son. I think that's just marvelous, the way that our confession of the Scriptures, it weaves together who God is and what He's done, so that who God is is the Holy Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, but uh, what He's done is he's, he's saved us, and if you lose one, you lose the other. If you lose the, 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 the strong confession of the Holy Trinity, you lose the clarity uh, of the doctrine of salvation, of justification, of the death of Jesus Christ for us sinners. Uh, the Father, in other words, if you don't have Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, the the, the Father has no one to sin for us. Uh, the Son uh, has no one to be sent from, uh, and no one to return to. Uh, it, it really, what you what's at stake here is the, is the gospel itself in the confession of the Trinity. Yes, I mean this is just okay. it's so foundational <laughs> to the Christian faith to understand the Holy Incarnation. If you understand the Holy Incarnation right, you understand justification correctly. If you understand the Holy Incarnation correctly, you understand the Trinity correctly. That there's only one access to the Father, and that's through the Son. Jesus says, no one comes to the Father except through me. And so this whole access point of a fallen sinner is only through the Son. And when you lose this understanding... And this revelation from God, the mystery of the Trinity, you, you begin to lose this. So that in a, a typical sectarian worship service, there's a generic concept of God. And ironically, in a sectarian worship service, they're trying to, to gain access to the presence of God. And again, ironically, when they gain access to the presence of God, this is through musical feelings and emotions. But when they're in, in the presence of God... What is really striking is they do not fall down on their knees and confess that they're sinners, so they stand before God in his full wrath, which is not a good thing. Unless you have Christ, who's the mediator, the one who stands between us and the Father's wrath, you are in trouble. How, how does this uh, understanding of, of the Holy Trinity, uh, and namely that, that our our God's name is placed upon us. Uh, I mean, that we're baptized in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. That the, the sign of the cross is placed upon our forehead and upon our hearts, marking us as ones redeemed. Um, how does this tr uh, triune name uh, then affect all parts of the liturgy um, and, and what, uh, what our, our theology of worship is, even, even the very direction of worship? Yeah, what, what, what's interesting is that in a sectarian worship setting, that doesn't make a clear confession of the Holy Trinity, you have a generic concept of God, and you have a generic concept that God is good. And so you just go in before God, and then you, who are now a believer, are good, and so therefore you just go in and tell God how good He is. And it's this kind of this love fest where you're going back and forth, 
uh, standing in front of God, just telling God how good he is so that God can look at you and say, wow, you too are very good because you're so good to me. The, the, the difference of the flow in a Trinitarian format is the only access point you have to the Father is through the Son. And so in our liturgy, we come in the name of our baptism, and we draw into the presence of God. We immediately confess our sins, that we have not loved God as we should. We have not loved our neighbors ourselves. That we actually are not good. We are actually bad by nature. And then we stand before God, condemned, but clinging to the mercy that we have in Christ. And then the pastor then absolves us in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. So again, he assures us that name given to us in baptism is still ours. We are heirs of the kingdom. And then as you move through the, the whole liturgy of the, uh, Catholic, uh, the, the ancient Catholic liturgy, you continue to teach and confess the Holy Trinity throughout the liturgy from the first words that are spoken to the benediction. The last words that are delivered is, again, an assurance of the name of God. The Holy Trinity is upon you as you go your way in your vocation to serve your neighbor. You've said sectarian worship a handful of times. Uh, could you define it for us? What What's the difference between sectarian worship and Trinitarian worship? Well, I, I think that this is, is, a, is a, the best way to draw a distinction here. Because in a Catholic liturgy, this is what we have been given as a gift from the ancient church. And that Catholic liturgy confesses the Catholic faith, which is this faith, when we worship one God in Trinity and Trinity in unity. This is the Catholic faith. And as we say in the Athanasian Creed, anybody who wants to be saved is to hold to this Catholic faith. Sectarian worship is, in distinction to this, a section. A Catholic meaning universal or whole, sectarian meaning a section or a piece. And so in all these different sects that have broken off since the days of the Reformation, you see they all have a piece of the divine truth revealed into the Bible, and then they overemphasize that sect. So each sect has a unique piece that they overemphasize. And then their individual variety in belief system is made manifest in their individual variety of how they worship. So you get a direct flow of what you believe directly flows into how you worship. And so in the Catholic liturgy, where we're founded on this Catholic faith of the Holy Trinity, you see that directly shown to us in the liturgy. Whereas in sectarianism that emphasizes one section, you will see whatever that one section they emphasize will be made manifest in the way in which they worship. Very good. I'm afraid that's all the time we have. We've been joined by Pastor Brian Ketchemeyer of Redeemer Lutheran Church in Los Alamos, New Mexico. Thank you, Pastor Ketchemeyer. You are welcome. Great to be here. And thanks for listening to this edition of Table Talk Radio. Where the points are like a donkey giving birth to a man. (laughs) You've been listening to Table Talk Radio. The views expressed on this show are that of the hosts and do not reflect the views or opinions (laughs) of this station. We would like your feedback on today's show. Call us toll-free, 1-800-385-SOLA. That's 1-800-385-SOLA. Or send us an email, questions at tabletalkradio.org. You can listen again to this show or any of our past shows on our website, tabletalkradio.org. 
Thanks for listening and tune in again next time to Table Talk Radio.